0: Oh, oh, oh,
1: Round Corner, the official podcast of Charlotte FC. Will Palajic, Jessica Charman here with you. We are your radio broadcast team for all 34 matches this season with Charlotte FC. A tough L last weekend, but a fantastic atmosphere at of America Stadium, a 1-0 loss to LA Galaxy. Jess. I just want to start with how amazing it was to have more than 74,000 screaming Charlotte soccer fans in one building. And I know the club had been trying oh so very hard to break that record. A lot of hard work went into that leading up to it, and they delivered an experience that was unforgettable.
2: Look, Will, it's a night that I will never forget. You will never forget. I don't think anyone within that stadium will ever forget. I keep waking up and just wishing I could transport myself back to that moment, but I have no doubt that The crowds are going to be returning. The side gave a performance that was worth attending. Uh, And I think we'll have more big crowds, even though the whole stadium most likely won't be opened up for the rest of this season. We're going to have a lot of crowds because Charlotte FC really drew and shown that it was for everybody.
1: And, And I do feel like with regard to the way that they played, even though there were times where they were under siege, we'll get to the stats in just a moment, but... I do feel like the amount of chances that they got and the way that they played was reminiscent of the way they played against D.C. L.A. Galaxy is a very different side than D.C. They're difficult to prepare for. They're very fluid with their formations. And as a result, you probably saw some defensive coverages that turned into lapses. But I do feel like once again, the team showed the fight and they showed it for the full 90.
2: Without a doubt, well, there was a real fight, a passion, a desire and a maturity when it came to the defending. One of the things we talked about continuously on the broadcast was the smart defending of the players. They were patient. They weren't stabbing or committing. When you're playing against the caliber of players of Douglas Costa, of Chicharito, it can be really difficult because you want to just dispossess them immediately. But they were patient in the defensive plays. It took a worldie of a goal, you know, to get that victory for LA Galaxy. They did create chances, not as many against DC United, but the level of chances created were really good. We've just got to find a way to finish those opportunities when you do carve them out.
1: We are available with Crown Corner on WFNZ's Facebook, as well as Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We ask you to submit your questions via Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube for part of Matt's Burning Questions segment at the end of the podcast. Of course, you can always Get to us on Twitter at Willie P. Style and at Just Talks Footy during the week. We're going to talk to the fine folks at Uptown Ultras later on in the program as part of our Supporter Spotlight. We'll get an update on what's going on to other city to the south, Atlanta, with the Atlanta United Radio Broadcast Crew as part of our opposition research and a conversation with Jalen Lindsay, Charlotte FC's Charlotte native. He will join us coming up as we check in on the training ground. But as we continue to rewind what happened last Saturday, we give you our highlight montage, how things sounded after the 1-0 victory or a 1-0 victory for LA Galaxy over Charlotte FC.
3: We're ready for soccer in the city of Charlotte and we are underway for the first ever home match for Charlotte FC. Costa, in the attacking third. Costa with some space, left it for Chittorito, Chittorito, a shot, save made by Christian Kalina. High class save by the Croatian! Right side, Vasquez, long shot near the goal, off the crossbar! Araujo, right side corner, into the area, a shot from Chittorito, save
2: made again by Kalina. Fantastic save from Kalina.
3: Costa in the attacking third, left at left side for Edwards. Edwards into the area. Edwards gets around his man, a centering pass, knocked down by Lindsay. once again by Kalina, and out for a corner kick.
2: And he earned every high five from his teammates there. Christian Kalina, a double save on the goal line.
3: Swiderski turns around, attacking third,
2: gets around his man.
3: Swiderski is shot, save made by Jonathan Bond
2: with Dursky's feet are impeccable. He's a big guy, but got ballerina tiptoes with the possession at his feet. His pullback, very minimal, but still able to generate a rocket of a shot.
3: Costa with some space. Costa left it for Chitorito. Chitorito in the area, Chicharito a shot. Off the side of the cage. Put it high in the air, kept alive by Bronico. Left it for Fuchs. Fuchs, 1v1 with the caper. He's taken down, no call side of the cage. How? In the words of Will, how? How is Fuchs taken down there with no call? I have no idea. Alvarez, a shot, score. Off the far side post and in, Efrain Alvarez against the run of play, breaks the deadlock in the 77th minute.
2: And some goals, Will, you just don't have an opportunity to save. It's a fantastic strike from Alvarez
1: and that's how it ended a 1-0 loss to LA Galaxy you mentioned it it was a worldly of a goal it's one of those things that I feel like if there was anything you can kind of criticize the defensive spacing was a little bit much they did give Efrain Alvarez a little bit too much room on that play but that's you know we're picking at nits at this point it just goes to show that there are there are certain things that happen in this game that, you know, you get enough shots on goal, one of them's going to be on frame.
2: Definitely, Will. It's one of those where if you look back at it, you're playing with a fatigued defense at that point. Perhaps not enough coverage. Something that early on Charlotte FC did really well was step to the ball. That's why there were so many blocks against LA Galaxy during that match. In that effort, they gave Alvarez just a little bit too long. When you look at the stats, LA Galaxy 21 shots, only six on target. Most of those shots, though, were blocked by the defensive line of Charlotte FC. They were quick to step. They didn't give them a real opportunity, a look. They were organized defensively. That, for me, was a slight lax of mindset, potentially some tired legs from tracking back midfielders. Charlotte FC only created five shots, three on target, though. That's a huge improvement From the game against dc united where we saw the shots on goal a lot less even though they created opportunities what that shows to me will is that they're creating opportunities and when they get them they are actually making them count per se and against atlanta united we just have to have one surely find the back of the net
1: you would like to think it could happen especially with another week of training and another week with carol swiderski in, in training as well as daniel rios Rios came on once again as a second half sub, and like to see also the kids get in there again. Ben Bender, Chris Haygaard, they all got some time. We'll see how things work as we go throughout this week leading up to Atlanta United. But if there's one thing that I feel like was the emotion of not just the players, but the coach, Miguel Angel Ramirez, it was appreciation for an amazing atmosphere, and Miguel spoke to that in his post-game remarks.
0: I believe that I am the the happiest coach in the world. Uh, It was amazing. I cannot, I, I cannot describe with words the energy. And I would like to thank everyone that joined us in this party because it really was a party. If we will win, maybe we continue the party now. <laughs> but, but we cannot party. Uh, thank you, North Carolina, South Carolina, Charlotte, uh, everyone that came today. And one request, I would like to see them back in the next game.
2: Happiest coach in the Um, world, Will, but also one of the most gratitude. You know, he shows the gratitude to the fans. I think that's a huge thing. Fans appreciate when their coaches are so vocal about them. Happiest coach in the world, like you said, but imagine if they'd have got three points. I'd like to see him even Mm. happier against Atlanta United on Saturday.
1: And And I hope that there isn't a discouragement. I know that I saw a little bit of negativity off of this match just because of the fact that there isn't a goal yet to celebrate. We had the one chance early on. The person who was part of that chance Will join us on this podcast, Jalen Lindsay. He was the main creator of that uh, chance that was disallowed on VAR in the first game by, D- by TT Ortiz. But I do feel like the the type of quality chances are being created. It just is a you know a block here, a, a step wrong the other way. Uh, there was one real, real awesome chance that was denied by offside as well in the uh, last game. It just seems to me like. I think Christian Kalina said it best in in his post-game comments. He said, look, the offense is the thing that takes the longest amount of time to get right and to get together. And I do feel like with more time, the goals will come and it's going to be like a floodgate. They're going to come in a flurry.
2: Definitely. It's one of those things with your offensive powers that it can take a time to gel. It can take a time to find the matter of margins but the progress is is clear and we've heard from multiple players that right now they're working on finishing a lot in practice i don't blame them because it's one of those things where if you practice it time and time again once you get those opportunities it feels like second nature it, it's a natural instinct to bury at home bringing in swiderski's going to be huge he hasn't played you know he's only played one match with the side he looked pretty fresh during the time that he played but again it takes time it takes rhythm it takes patience and that's what the crowd has right now but i think like you say well once they find the back of the net once there's going to be a whole surge of belief coming underneath them and they'll want that feeling again and again
1: charlotte fc head coach miguel angel ramirez believes that the goals will
0: come if we are able to compete until the end uh, with these big clubs that we are facing now at the beginning of the of the season, um, we have the most important. I mean, we have the base to build from now, and in one moment, I believe the the, the score uh, will will arrive for us.
2: And where well, we talked about how it seems almost unfair when you look at the schedule that the three sides that Charlotte FC are facing are such tough opponents. But at the end of the day, if you can compete and you can stay in matches against some of the best opponents when lesser sides come around when the cincinnatis are arriving you have to feel like that's going to be a really positive moment because they'll have found their role against tougher oppositions
1: and the fourth opponent that they face uh, after it led to new england revolutions no pushover either so uh, this real first four is a fearsome foursome when you think about the schedule that they start with the schedule maker from mls not giving them any favors coming in out of the gate but There's still a lot of optimism and also a lot of pride in what happened last Saturday night. Uh, If you look no further than Jalen Lindsay, our next guest on Crown Corner, we spoke with him not only about his viral moment sitting down at the middle of the pitch after the game, but also what it meant as a charlatan to play his first match on his home ground. As we do every week here on Crown Corner, we like to go out to the training ground and let's welcome on a guy who – Last week, I know it was special for all the players, but it had a little something extra for our next guest, and that is Jalen Lindsey. He joins us, the Charlotte native on Crown Corner. And Jalen, I know that I speak for everybody who saw that from not only the 74,000 in the building, but also everybody on TV, and that uh, it was a special moment for Charlotte. What was it like from your perspective on Saturday night against
4: LA Galaxy? Um, Yeah, I mean, from my perspective uh it was it was pretty pretty cool I would just say I mean cool is like a, a light word but <laughs> um but yeah it was just an amazing experience uh especially for me being from here and obviously knowing Bank of America so well from you know watching a ton of ton of games in there whether it's football or soccer and um and, you know that was the one on the pitch and you know to have you know, 74,000, I mean, that obviously, it was one of the biggest crowds, you know, I played in front of, and I'm sure that's that goes for everybody else on the team, but, uh, yeah, it was just an amazing night.
2: Look, Jalen, one of the moments I've seen shared so much on social media and that stood out to Will and I looking down at the pitch was right after the game. You sat in the center circle after the match, just soaking it all in. What was going through your mind in that moment after the game?
4: Yeah, so I kind of took that moment because – it was just a, such a special night. I mean, I think just, you know, for me uh, personally, um, because um, you know, before, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, I was in the stands, you know, watching, you know, soccer games and Panthers games. And, you know, I was the one down the field, you know, <laughs> playing for the fans out there. Uh, so it was just kind of like roles were reversed a little bit. And that's where I was just kind of like soaking it all in the moment. And it was just like, You know, a night that, you know, I don't want to forget and, you know, I kind of want to go back to. I remember I kind of woke up and I was like, dude, like, I kind of just want to go back to the game and just keep playing. Um, Because obviously those kind of, you know, nights and moments when you have 74,000 and, you know, I'm playing a big America, like I don't get that every day. Um, So just kind of like that, just that night, I just wanted to soak it all in and soak up the night. I remember the first
1: time that, that we talked to you, you'd mentioned that you'd left Charlotte at a pretty young age. You know, had you kept in touch with people around here in downtown? And, and I guess from your standpoint, what is it like being back in the city as an adult?
4: Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had t- I had tons of people uh, that, you know, texted me. Um, I mean, it was people from, I mean, it goes from preschool to like I'll your school the middle school the high school to playing like U8, U10, U12. Like, it, like There was just so many people that, you know, kind of were, like, along my journey out here when I was out here in Charlotte that texted me saying, oh, like, I'll be at the game, like, good luck. Like, it's like, it's so great to see you, you know, like, feeling, fulfilling a kind of like a, you know, a Charlotte native dream and stuff like that. And so it, it, that was just like, a special moment. Obviously, my family's here as well. So they got to go to the game. And um you know like for like for example like like my dad lives in florida but it was like his you know first mls game you know watching me and and so i just told him after the game i said don't get high expectations because that was like that was like one of the like like best games that you know you probably could have been to and um you know it set the standard pretty high so um it was was just pretty remarkable to see you know all the people that i've kind of grown up with regret the game and um you know now being back here in charlotte um you know, I, I'm obviously an adult now. I'm obviously a lot older. Um, obviously, have a lot more interest. Like, I tell people all the time, like, you know, when I left Charlotte, um, you know, I was a kid that didn't really eat much. And, you know, I ate like what I knew. And it, was, it was simple stuff. And, um, you know, now being in Kansas for a little bit and being around people that um, kind of influenced me in the right direction. Um, you know, I have, you know, other interests now that, you know maybe come back in the city now I can maybe apply those interests for, like for myself. And um, so it's just, it's obviously a lot different, but now I'm kind of like getting in the groove of, Oh yeah, that's for it. You know, you know, I used to be walking down these roads when I was little and stuff like that. So uh, it's just a pretty cool moment to be back. I won't get you in no. trouble with the barbecue thing again. I promise. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I Trust me. I've been asked that question way too times. <laughs> I was the first
5: one I asked it to you and I, I,
1: I ain't going to get, I ain't going to go down
4: the road again. Yeah, it's all right. It's no big deal
2: obviously the result didn't go the way that we would have loved to put the cherry on top but how did you feel as a whole the performance went
4: i I think i think it went really well i mean like i say (laughs) all the time but I, i was just so proud of like i'm just more proud of you know how well our team fights you know no matter what the score is and stuff like that like the same thing with dc like we kept fighting even though we were under, you know, extreme adversity with, you know, the goals that were scored against us and maybe some calls, you know, didn't maybe go our way, but we we just kept fighting to the end. And, you know, I think it's the same thing when we played the galaxy, like we, we just kept fighting over and over again. And you can see the passion that, you know, I think everybody has and everybody, you know, kind of influences has on each other and which is, which is so good for a team because I think the main thing about this sport, is just all about having, Kind of that, you know, character and grit, and then passion to, you know, keep going, you know, because there are there are going to be times that are tough. Um, but there's 11 people in the field, and there's, you know, I don't know how many on a roster, but you're going to need every single person in the squad, like every single person, and, and that's a good thing about this team. We everyone pushed each other from the coaching staff um, to the teammates, and everything. So, um, yeah, from besides the result, I, I think I'm very proud with our performance, and I think later as we go down the road. I think the goals will come and I think that, you know, the results will come as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You were actually center stage at at one of the main chances in that first game against DC and and there's been plenty said about the the chance creation. How would you characterize the level of chance creation through the first two
4: matches? Um, Yeah, I think we've, I think we've created a lot of, you know, good solid chances within the first two matches. Um, Obviously it's about, you know, putting the ball in the back of the net. And that's something that, you know, we as a team, you know, go back in training and we kind of work towards that. Um, I mean, obviously we've only been, you know, the whole squad has been with each other for, you know, a month and a half now. So, I mean, I I think it takes time just to kind of everybody get used to each other, you know, used to different movements of different players. And, um, you know, so I think at some point, you know, everything will just, you know, come together. I mean, I don't know when that will be, but, you know, I think for the fans, it's just kind of like, you know, be patient. I know, you know, our fans are amazing and they know that, you know, being patient right now is, you know, the right thing. So I, I I just, you know, hope for them that they keep being patient with us and, you know, the results and goals will come.
2: And as you say, the performances are definitely improving. I'm sure the fans see it just like we do. You're led by Miguel Alejandro Ramirez. Everyone speaks so highly of him, whether it's in the media, players. How do you feel he is as a leader for you?
4: Yeah, I think... I mean, just from the very get go, I think he's like a great leader. Um, you know, like he's just one of those coaches that you know is so passionate and loving for the game that it's like he's just always smiling and stuff. Like in practice, it's it's always good to see a smiling face when you get to practice because you know, you know, you're ready for a good day, you're ready for a happy day. You know, like every, you know, you want obviously when you go, you know, technically to work. I mean, I don't call it work, but uh, mm-hmm. some people might do, but you know, you want to go there, you know, have as much fun as possible. And I think he makes that happen no matter if it's a, you know, a training session or maybe even a lift or even if it's the game, like he wants, you know, the best out of all of us. And, um, you know, I think he just brought a really good team together, um, you know, from different cultures that, you know, we can always influence each other in the same way with, you know, playing the sport of soccer. So um, I think, I think he's just been a great leader so far and I hope to continue to uh, be under him.
1: Who have you gravitated toward the team as as far as what your teammates have you gravitated toward the most in terms of your relationships with your, your teammates?
4: Um, I think so far I've gravitated my relationships more towards, I think the guys kind of like in their first years a little bit. So like, I mean, you got guys from obviously come from college and maybe some, you know, first time MLsters as well. So, I mean, I'll probably say like, like, for example, like, so like Coa Santos is one Chris Hedgar, Mackenzie Gaines, Ben Bender, George Marks, um, Adam Armour. I mean, those are kind of guys that, you know, I was in their shoes one day um, when I was at Sporting. And, you know, I always wanted those. I mean, I, I did have it at Sporting. I wanted those types of leaders that, you know, I was kind of close to similar in age a little bit, but, you know, had that experience. And, you know, with me, you know, having that type of experience in this league and, you know, experiences within like, you know, a locker room, on and off the field, in the gym, I can kind of guide them, you know, in the right direction and, you know, hopefully kind of set a good example for them so that, you know, when they get to my position, you know, like in my fifth year or in their fifth year that, you know, they're kind of like me doing the same thing to the kids that are coming up again. So I kind of want to just kind of create that culture of, you know, kind of being that leader and kind of being that role model for those guys, you know, that way when they're, you know, I kind of always want to grow them up quicker because I wish, you know, I grew up and, you know, got like a little bit more mature, in my second year. So um, that's just kind of why I want to be to those guys. Obviously, at the same time, you know, be their friend and stuff like that, which is all cool. And, you know, they're all my brothers as well, so which is really good. So that's just kind of like what my relationship is more towards.
2: And I can say from the outside in, we can already see that you're getting this leadership component. It's clear that everyone on the pitch believes in you, trusts in you. So it's really great to see that. Atlanta, you're from Charlotte. You understand that sort of rivalry. How are you guys preparing for that? Is there a rivalry brewing somewhat? Does it mean slightly more that you're traveling down to uh, another city in the South, we'll call it?
4: Uh, well, I mean, personally for me, I, I count it as like a rivalry because, you know, growing up here in Charlotte, you know, at, at the time it was Georgia United, but then became Atlanta United. Uh, that was kind of like our rival a little bit. Like we, you know, we always wanted to go to Atlanta and kind of just, you know, get a win out of there. So for me personally, I think it's a rivalry, and I hope that this that kind of transfers over to, you know, Charlotte FC, Atlanta United a little bit. So, yeah, so I think obviously Atlanta's a, you know, great team. They have great players. And, you know, at the same time this week, we're, you know, going to you know train to practice, you know, to, you know, watch out for these good players. And obviously they have a great team as well. So we just kind of get it on the front foot, you know, kind of play our game a little bit. And, you know, like I said, the goals will come, and, you know, hopefully we get a couple goals.
1: It's kind of one of those teams that I feel like, I don't want to say it's easy to prepare for, but you know what they're all about. You know that they have Joseph Martinez. You know what they have in terms of their offensive firepower, but they do have some defensive vulnerabilities. And I know that you know a lot of times with these teams who are of a higher profile, does it make it easier for you to, to, I guess, scope them out and figure out how to get yourself your, uh, your openings, so to speak?
4: Uh yeah, so um, I mean, like Atlanta United is a little bit similar to Galaxy. Like you obviously know, like kind of like who their big time players are a little bit. Like for example, Galaxy they had Chicharito and Douglas Costa were kind of their big two. And you know we're gonna get it to Atlanta, and you know kind of their big star is Joseph. So like obviously, if we kind of you know force him in a direction where he gets a little bit uncomfortable, that's that's perfect for us. And you know I think you know he's kind of like their main kind of you know, middleman with 13. So I think if we kind of like shut him down a little bit, I think the rest of the game will kind of, you know, be better for us a little bit. So, um, but at the same time, like we got to focus on ourselves too. Like we're at the same time trying to set an identity for ourselves in this league. And, you know, I think once we, you know, do our own thing and, you know, keep our possession a little bit in the game and control the game a little bit, I think we'll come up with a good result.
1: Well, Jalen, we certainly hope that you guys uh, bring back the three points to Charlotte from Atlanta We certainly love having you not only represent the city, represent the club. We've had a lot of fun talking to you so far. We wish you the best of luck this season. We hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. He's such a cool dude, isn't he?
2: So cool that his WhatsApp group, that's a WhatsApp group I want to be in, Well, Ping, ping, ping. That's a cool group of kids (laughs) to be chatting with, I think.
1: He said that he really gravitates toward the young kids and – you see it in training. I mean, Bender's always around him. Chris Hagart's always around him. Coa Santos, who uh, was a trialist, who earned himself an opportunity to be on this club, is also around him all the time. And, and the one thing that I feel like is the main criticism of this club, for people on the outside, is the MLS experience. Well, they, they have that in spades with, with Jalen, and it just, I think, carries over to the rest of the side.
2: And his maturity level you forget that he's 21 years old but because he didn't do it the ncaa way because he became a pro and got that experience with sporting kansas he's someone that speaks with a maturity about the game far beyond his years what a role model for those players that he surrounds himself within and he's a leader on the pitch if there's one player that i feel like i truly singled out on multiple occasions during the broadcast it, it was him because his maturity in his defending the way he stood against players like Douglas Costa. He didn't bite. He didn't commit. He didn't go down and leave them clear on goal. He was patient with the defending. And uh, I think that he was one of those players that probably had more of the blocks and more of the defending jewels in that match if we were able to look at stats for player to player.
1: And speaking of on defense, the team would not have been in the game if not for the play of Christian Kalina, their goalkeeper. He earned the man of the match Uh, designation at the end of the match. He had all those saves that you heard in the highlight montage. Uh, It wasn't his fault that he gave up that goal. It was, again, a a strike that was basically unstoppable. And I feel like we are not talking enough about how solid his play has been through the first two weeks because I know the goals against difference or the goals against number is is a bit galling. But I feel like, Jess, he has kept his side in games especially in these first
2: two anyone that knows me knows that i love a good goalkeeper appreciation moment and kalina has been fantastic he didn't see as much action in terms of saves against dc united it was tough he was beaten by several deflections a penalty tough tough for him what i'm impressed with is the way that he mentally prepared and transitioned we talk about goalkeepers having to have a goldfish memory right like you have to have a very short-term memory where you get beaten. If you have a bad game, if you you know, concede goals, you have to be able to move on because as a goalkeeper, you have to be in a really good mindset. He not only is fantastic with saves, he dominates his area. You can tell that his defenders trust him with both the ball at his feet and coming with crosses and his distribution spectacular. The trust that he has in his ability to find splitting passes and cross-field pings it is brilliant. And that's the goalkeeper that this system needs. They need a goalkeeper that is not only good at saves, he needs to be good at one on ones for when there's defensive lapses. And he also needs to be very good with his feet. Right now, Christian Kalina is the full package for me.
1: We remind you that you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Be sure to get your questions into us for the Matt's Burning Questions segment at the end of the broadcast. Count Christian Kalina among those who's not worried about the offense getting itself
6: together, starting this
1: week.
6: We controlled the game, all, all game, they didn't have like more possession. They had a little bit more uh, uh, chances, but this is about these connections because this, these guys play maybe two, three years together. And then you, you you saw this on the pitch immediately when they pass, when they move that uh, this, is a, this is a really good
0: connection. We need this, but we have quality for, uh, for play playoff.
2: A confident goalkeeper that's very confident in the players ahead of him, clearly, and he's right. It's going to take time. It's going to take practice, match minutes just to get on the same page with every opportunity, but it's encouraging signs without a doubt, Will.
1: Looking at the opposition for the first time, Atlanta United has a goalkeeper that if you listen to the moniker that their fan base uses against him, he's big, he's bald, he's a you know what wall, <laughs> but he's been anything but that at this point of the season, he surrendered three goals against Colorado Rapids last week, man does not even have a say to his name yet through two games, Atlanta did get the three points against sporting Kansas City in the opening match, but a uh, lopsided loss in Commerce City and Jess, I feel like a lot of problems at the back for this side that they might get some help with this past week, but it will be without Miles Robinson because of a red card he picked up against Rapids.
2: Look, Brad Guzan's a goalkeeper that has historically been fantastic in American soccer, but... He's an aging goalkeeper, and understandably, as you age, your reaction time gets slower. He is also an old-school goalkeeper in that the game has developed so much in the last few years about the way that a goalkeeper needs to use their feet that at times, having watched Guzan play, he's a little shaky with that ball bat at the back of his feet. It's not quite the same level of confidence as Kalina. He's a goalkeeper that's going to really need to be switched on, particularly, as you say, they're missing Miles Robinson, a brick wall in the defense i think that if charlotte fc takes their shots follows up on their shots presses the goalkeeper with the ball at his feet there could be some really interesting moments and hopefully plenty of goal calls for us will
1: i'm hoping so i really think that this could be the week that we get a goal and how sweet would it be to have that first goal come against the rivals atlanta and also three points to boot that could come home up I 85. let's learn a little more about the squad that we will face this week down in Atlanta. We check in with Mike Conti and Jason Longshore from the Atlanta United radio broadcast team on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Here on Crown Corner, it's time to do a little opposition research, and we bring on a couple of guys who are friends of ours every day but two days out of the year. Mike Conti and Jason Longshore, the radio play-by-play commentary pair for Sports Radio 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. Mike and Jason, it's great to have you guys on. And uh, the first edition of the I-85
7: Derby is here. Is that what we're calling it? (laughs) Why not? We can't do any better than that. What have That's you got? What suggestions have you got? idea? I, I literally have nothing. I'm going to put it to the fans <laughs> of the Crown Corner. I have nothing. Darren Eels, our club president here in Atlanta, suggested Royal Rumble, but I don't think Vince McMahon was a big fan of that. His, <laughs> yeah. his rationale was Atlanta, we're the kings of the South down here, and Charlotte's the queen city, so Royal Rumble would work, which I love. But uh, I think terrible. the WWE copyright attorneys are going to be all over
2: <laughs> I don't
7: want to get sued. No. Neither no. no. do I. Uh, Atlanta coming off of a 3-0 loss to Colorado
1: last week. Uh, This is a much different team than we saw at the end of last year. A lot of additions, a lot of things that are not part of the club right now. Uh, Give us a sense
6: of of where this team is after two games. I don't think we know yet. Uh, I think we're still figuring that out, honestly, because the first game was a nice win over Kansas City at home. I think maybe the expectations got inflated a bit after that one. I think maybe the reaction to a loss in Colorado where the Rapids had their be- best performance of the season, maybe the reactions have been overinflated from a negative perspective. I don't think we know. And and we're not going to know this weekend either because you've got to get Tiago Almada into this team. You've got to get Marcelino Moreno 100% fit. Now you have to get Luis Araujo back into the team from an injury. And the central midfield at the moment with Osvaldo Alonso's absence, you're missing a lot of important pieces. And Gonzalo Pineda's figuring it out on the fly. He's going to have to do that again this weekend.
2: And you're talking about those missing pieces. You've also now had Miles Robinson obviously picking up a red card. How big of a loss is that as a defensive leader?
7: It's major. I mean, he's a national team defender. I think one of the two best defenders in this league, though apparently some members of the media disagreed with me when they voted him fourth in Defender of the Year voting last year, which still does not make sense to me. But he's a national team-level defender and and really the most experienced part of that back line, aside from Brad Buzan. what Gonzalo Pineda tried to do with his holding midfield last week in Colorado was take George Campbell, who typically plays center back for Atlanta United, moving into a role as a holding midfielder and then leaning on Alan Franco, Atlanta's Alan Franco, by the way. I was going to say, that's going to yeah. be tough. I know. We're all in for a struggle. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going <laughs> to differentiate them on Sunday, how I'm going to call that. Uh, maybe I'll call them Charlotte Allen and Atlanta Allen. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, but anyhow, you know, Atlanta United's down a center back. If George Campbell has to play in the holding midfield, and I'm not sure that's what Gonzalo Pineda will opt to do if Osvaldo Alonso and Santiago Sosa are still out, then you're looking at a situation where you might have Alex DeJohn start at center back, uh, which has been a very, very infrequent occurrence in his year plus with Atlanta, or you might have to change shape. So losing Miles, uh, it's just another domino that kind of tumbles right now, and the lineup, the selection is really going to – altered I think, because Robinson will be out.
1: Mm-hmm. In, ter- in terms of the way things will look for this Charlotte team, obviously th- there's a lot of movement when it comes to this roster. And I know, Jason, you, you had some thoughts about the way this roster build uh, Just from 30,000 feet, <laughs> what are your impressions of uh, the way that this group has handled the first two
6: weeks? I think they've handled the first two weeks really well in light of the roster build. And, and look, Charlotte's not the only one that has had, you know, a difficult time in preparing for the season on the roster. Toronto's a prime example and, and Toronto with no outside backs in their team right now, they're playing wingers in that position. They were very poor uh, against the New York Red Bulls. I don't think Charlotte has looked very poor in either of their matches. I thought they were much better than a three, 0 loss against DC and they were under siege at times against the LA galaxy. Who's a, a top team in the Western conference, in my opinion, But a 1-0 loss there, that is nothing to feel bad about. Miguel Angel Ramirez is able to make up for some of the deficiencies in the roster build. And he's going to continue to build this team going forward. He does need some more pieces to work with. And I think the summer window for Charlotte is key. If he gets a couple of key pieces in that window, and, and look, you still have time before this window closes. If he gets a couple more pieces then he's got more to work with and he can be more dangerous. But he's doing a great job working with what he has currently.
2: Without a doubt, we saw the attendance record broken. Atlanta United, former holders of MLS attendance record. What difference do you think it means for Atlanta United that this game is home? And Mike, are we calling it a rivalry yet? Is it a rivalry (laughs) yet?
7: I don't know, Jess. You tell me, is it a rivalry? Between uh, at,
2: least, at least us. At least <laughs> us, Mike. We're, we're going
6: to go. Oh, between us, it's a rivalry for sure. <laughs> no, but... no, no
7: I, I don't subscribe to that at all. I, I like all three pic- people in this picture other than me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now listen, uh, first of all, Jess, I, I think it does help that Atlanta United gets this at home. The schedule maker was very, very kind to Atlanta United. Usually, and Will can speak to this too because he worked here in Atlanta Uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium typically has building conflicts in March, either with Supercross or one year uh, we were supposed to host the final four. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. But it is unusual for Atlanta United to have uh, three of their first four matches played at home. Uh, So I think it's a big advantage just to get back off the road where you were really kind of wobbly. Uh, the pitch really did not play true at all in Colorado. You know that the pitch at Mercedes-Benz Stadium being artificial is going to play a little more true. Uh, It's a big, I think, emotional boost for Atlanta United, not only to play at home this week, but then again, next week against Montreal, as far as the attendance record is concerned, fair play to Charlotte. I think it's great for the league. I I know that this has stoked some passion here in Atlanta because um, here in Atlanta, we're very, very proud of our success with attendance, but, um, Charlotte drawing more than 74,000 on a Saturday night in early March is going to do nothing but elevate the league and that's the important thing Jason and I we talked to Brad Guzan about this last Friday the Atlanta goalkeeper you know Brad when he came into the league they were playing in front of friends and family basically for <laughs> Chivas USA where, where he got his start. and now that the league has gotten to the point where it's expected that you're going to draw thirty thousand plus in Seattle. You're going to draw forty thousand plus in Atlanta. Uh, you know, Charlotte will probably consistently draw thirty or forty thousand. Cincinnati, who's been a wooden spoon team, is still consistently drawing twenty-five thousand. This just elevates the league. The quality of play has increased, but the fact now that um, you know the league and its owners and the people who are building the league are getting the reward at the gate. I think it's only going to elevate Major League Soccer even more.
2: And people want to play in front of crowds, don't they? So it also helps players come. We had a lot of Charlotte FC players thrilled at the idea they were going to play in front of a sellout. So love how the league is growing.
1: And and tactically, Jason, at least on the pitch, you mentioned earlier the, the loss of Miles Robinson, which is going to be obviously huge in the back third for Atlanta. Is that where you would say they're the most vulnerable right now in terms of where this game could possibly tilt Charlotte's way?
6: Yeah, I think it's a situation and we see it sometimes at Mercedes-Benz Stadium with such a big crowd where if you don't get an early goal, maybe everybody gets a little anxious. So I I almost look at the the issue for Atlanta is the longer it goes scoreless, the more Charlotte will grow into it. Mm -hmm. And Atlanta might press a little bit in the attack because they're missing so many pieces in the attack. I think you've got the personnel defensively. The question for Gonzalo Pineda is where do you put George Campbell in this one? Is he a center back? Is he a six? If he is in the midfield, is it Alex Dijon that you trust to play with Alan Franco? If he's in the back line, who is the six? If Osvaldo Alonso is not available, is it Mateus Osetiu? Is it Amar Um, Do you see a change in the shape than we've seen generally? Because, they're going up against another team that will probably play a line of five in the back. That's, that's what we've seen from Charlotte mostly this season with those wingbacks having to sit back a little bit deeper. They struggled against that in Colorado because that's how they played. How does Pineda dial up something a little bit different for this? I'm, I'm almost more worried about them not getting a first half goal and then maybe that doubt creeps in. And I always say it when you have a team it comes in as an underdog, and, and Charlotte will be in this one, the longer they keep it scoreless, the more they grow, and, and they feel mm-hmm. more confident, and they get bigger in their mind, and it's going to give them that advantage going forward into the second half.
1: Well, I know we talk about this being a rivalry between two clubs, but uh, it's not a rivalry between the four people in this picture. I know I speak for Jess and I both and say that uh, we're both happy that you guys have kind of led the way for us, and uh, we're happy about this opportunity, and we consider you both friends, although on Sunday uh, we will be on a posting site. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate it.
7: Cheers to my second favorite radio crew in Major League Soccer.
2: <laughs> there we go.
1: I love those guys, but I won't love them on Sunday.
2: Absolutely not. Well, great guys, great radio calls, but let's be honest. We're hoping we get a lot more positive opportunities to speak on the air than they do.
1: And and honestly, you know, I I feel like I've seen a lot of this, especially this week. There are a lot of people who, by virtue, that there was not a team here might've pledged their allegiance initially to Atlanta United and have come across to the Charlotte way of thinking. We applaud that, uh, that way of thinking. And, and, he made reference did Mike to, to my previously working there. And I know you've done some games on the, on the second side, as far as that goes. So we probably have a little bit more familiarity with this opposing side than any side we're going to see this upcoming uh, season. But I do feel like because of all the things I know that they might get some pieces back. Because of all the things working in Charlotte's favor, this could be another situation where if Charlotte's able to, as Jason put it, grow into the game, they could steal a late goal and possibly three points on the road in Atlanta.
2: Definitely. And we would be fools if we didn't say that Charlotte FC is obviously the underdog going into this match. In most matches, we're going to be the underdog as a new side. But the benefit of being an underdog, and I think we saw it against LA Galaxy as well, The longer you stay in the match, you keep it nil-nil. The longer you frustrate them, the more you get in their head. We made a lot of comments about LA Galaxy's body language, particularly in the second half when they hadn't gotten the score sheet, they were getting frustrated. The longer you can frustrate the opposition and get into their heads and make them question what they're doing, the more likely you are to be able to jeopardize and get onto that. So I, I have a good feeling.
1: And Joseph Martinez is a guy too, Jess, where if he's not getting service or he's not getting the runs he wants to, he, he gets visibly frustrated during games. And, and you can almost take him out of the game, especially if there's a goal early by Charlotte, uh, you're able to, to really kind of take him out of the game. He, he's not a kind of player who plays well from behind or plays well when he's not getting service.
2: He's a player that Charlotte FC in the dressing room are going to have a circle around. You know, the one negative about being a player of his caliber is he's a player that everyone's got eyes on. He's a player that every defender on that pitch is going to know. It's my responsibility to make sure he doesn't get an inch, he doesn't get a yard. Look at how Charlotte FC handled Chicharito. Chicharito, if he got into a dangerous area, guess what? If we're going to commit a foul, we're going to commit a foul because it's better to put him on the deck than it is to give him an opportunity to run at goal. Uh, I think you're going to have a player like Brant Bronico letting Joseph Martinez know that he's here in the match. And uh, as you say, Will, from our experience of watching Joseph Martinez, a player that can sometimes get a little bit in his head and because he's a leader within this team, if they can see that he's frustrated, they're going to be concerned as well.
1: Very much easily rattled. We did want to take an opportunity with it being women's history month and yesterday being international women's day, He's recognized a part of Charlotte FC. That was really, really cool to see on Saturday night. And uh, Taylor, who is part of the photography crew, uh, Charlotte FC's match was, phot- was photographed entirely by women. Uh, it was basically a, a real team effort there with a, a great group of young ladies who have come together as part of uh, the new Charlotte FC Photography team, one of those Krista uh, Jasso, Ironically enough, will be photographing uh, our wedding coming up next year. So I wanted to give her a special shout out as well. Uh, but will not really, really our cool. wedding?
2: Will, will let, let's preface no. this not our wedding. Well, not our
1: wedding. <laughs> Me and my fiance Julia's wedding, not our wedding.
2: We, we are not getting married, everyone. Just to just to no. make that clear. No, but but I think it's fantastic. Really <laughs> it's fantastic. Cool. Charlotte FC is really embracing women in sports. Really important role. Obviously, I'm grateful to have a position. As a woman here to ha- have my say. And at the end of the day, one of the biggest things that we talk about is the talent is what gets you there, not your gender. And when I got an opportunity to look through, there's a really cool thread by Charlotte FC that has um, a photo from each of the women in that crew. And they're incredible photos. I highly recommend anyone on Twitter to take a look at that thread. I'll retweet it later on.
0: I
1: tell everybody who talks about our crew, and I'll brag on Jess a little bit, she's the best. <laughs> Person that we could have possibly had in this role. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I feel like her talent absolutely supersedes what we could have expected uh, on this team. And I really feel like uh, she is a missile and I'm just trying to hold on to try to make sure what's going on.
2: Let's not get a blush in. My my ring light's showing a little bit of blush. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is in that vein. <laughs> look at look Matt, Matt's just, <laughs> just as cool. There you go. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> hogan who you'll hear from in our final segment uh be sure to get your questions in on facebook twitter twitch and youtube but before we do that let's check in with our weekly visit with the supporter groups and check in with our guys from the uptown ultras as we do every week on crown corner we like to check in on the charlotte fc supporter groups and this week we Focus on the fine folks at the Uptown Ultras. Our guys Lucas Barnhart and Sean Gartley are joining us here on Crown Corner. And guys, uh, I have to say, bravo first off to the supporters groups as a whole. You guys made that atmosphere so incredibly amazing on Saturday night. And uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on kind of where you thought the positives were and some of the things you guys might want to work on after having one match in the books as supporters section.
0: Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and kick it off. I thought it was uh, an incredible experience, Will. Um, you, you know, you can expect a young team, uh, young players to to have a couple of of bumps in the road at the start of the season with an expansion team, but my favorite part about this team is how much better they get week in and week out. Um, I love watching the improvement on the pitch, not even just the team as a whole, but even the individual player performances. So, um, from a from a supporter's perspective in the stands, um, the atmosphere was was everything I thought it was going to be. And and mm-hmm. then some uh, seventy five thousand people, it was absolutely incredible. Um, uh, hard to hear at times, hard to follow the chants at times. That's that's to be expected. But I, I didn't really think I could ask for much more from from a uh, atmosphere perspective, from uh, a fan perspective. Uh, I thought the team gave it everything they got. Um, and and we really enjoyed our time in that section.
2: Now, talk to me a little bit. One of the things Will and I noticed was how the players on the pitch made the effort to come up and applaud you all, take pictures. What does that mean as a fan base, as a supporters group, to see that the players truly appreciate you as the 12th man in the crowd?
5: I mean, I think it comes back to our coach. I mean, our coach has been pushing these players to be, you know, representation of themselves in the city that they're now in. And uh, he's out there saying, you know, 75,000 is great, but let's let's all show up again next week too. And these fans want, or the players want us to do it. So they're coming over, they're giving their thanks. They heard us yell the whole game. I mean, I went and rewatched the broadcast. You could hear us yelling the whole game. Um, It was awesome. It was loud in there. And I think they're thankful and they're appreciative. So, you know, it starts at the top and he's been able to really elaborate and give his real opinion on we need these people here with us. We love to focus on what makes each of these
1: supporter groups unique. We've obviously collaborated with you guys on getting the word out about your initial fundraiser, the zero K, which we're very proud that you guys had some real great success on that. But as far as what makes the group itself unique, what are the defining characteristics of Uptown Ultras, Lucas?
0: Yeah. I I mean, I would say some of our defining characteristics is, is just how we're trying to build this tight knit group. Um, You know, we, we, we may be called the Uptown Ultras, but but each and every one in our group may not be the most diehard soccer fan. You know, they may be new to MLS, they may be new to, to Charlotte, um, whatever it is, we're trying to, to grow a group and um, expose folks in Charlotte to the MLS, to Charlotte FC. So um, I think our group specifically, we consider ourselves also a social group, um, also a community outreach group people who want to have an impact in the community, people who want to build uh, a social gathering uh, that goes more outside uh, just soccer.
2: And that's brilliant. And like Will said, we loved the zero K that you're doing. And I know you've got some great charitable initiatives coming up. What about this weekend, Sean, what are the big plans for Atlanta United? Are you traveling? Are you guys staying at home? What's going in Uptown Ultra's world?
5: So we went back and forth on that for a bit and we decided we're going to stay home and we're going to have a big old viewing party over at Big Ben's Pub in Elizabeth. Um, We're grateful to be having it there. Great soccer atmosphere. Hoping to pack the place out and have a bunch of our fans cheering us on when we see our first goal and first win.
2: And they've got good sausage rolls. I'll say that. I went over there before the home opener. I enjoyed the sausage rolls at Big Ben. So good choice of location.
1: I was wondering, from for you guys, because I know that the the visiting atmospheres are so unique, and I know that you guys were up in DC and and, and saw all that. Uh, what are the advantages of of going versus staying? Because I know sometimes it, it's not bad to be back here and and, and have strength and numbers if you know, cause obviously not everybody can can fit, you know, a road trip into their budget like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, Will, and, and a lot of it does come from the budget. Um, you know, what what can you afford and, and what do you have time for? Uh, we constantly uh, realize in these groups that everybody has their, their own life going on, their own jobs, their own families outside of supporter groups and, and soccer and all this stuff. So uh, ultimately, it's it's picking... What's important, what's doable uh, for us, uh, Sean and myself specifically, some others in our group, that first game was really important for us. We really wanted to be there uh, for the first game. And uh, re it, we said, hey, well, we'd like to go to some of away games later down the line. So let's sit this one out against Atlanta. Let's stay home. Let's try to build a great atmosphere in Charlotte, invite the other groups who have people staying back, uh, things like that.
2: Okay, and I'm not trying to stir the pot but how much would it mean for the first three points, the first goals to come against Atlanta United, Sean? It's not an official rivalry yet, but is it brewing? Would that be fair to say, at least in the Twitter worlds?
5: Well, it's Atlanta United's great because a lot of the people from here liked that team when they first started. You know, it was the closer team to us. They weren't D.C. fans yet. They weren't Nashville fans yet. They were United fans. And so now uh, with, with Charlotte here, you've seen a lot of fan turnover which kind of creates a turmoil to begin with. Yeah, it would be great. I just want to get our first win. I just want to get our first goal. It can come against anyone. But, you know, it would mean a little something extra to come against the team that I have so many friends that are fans of as well. What are some of the
1: other charitable organizations or events that you guys are kind of looking towards? Uh, Is there anything else you guys have on the books that uh, you want to try and uh, help us or have us us help you promote in terms of uh, things to help in the community?
5: Yeah, so... Coming up, uh, I'll take this one, Lucas so if you don't mind. Uh, we we have a member in our group that reached out to us about doing an event for the Autism Society. Uh, he has a kid with autism, and, you know, we're here to help our people. And so we're working together with him to coordinate an event to raise some money for them in our second quarter.
1: Very nice stuff. Lucas and Sean, the co-founders of Uptown Ultras, we appreciate you guys, and Hope you guys uh, cheer loud at Big Ben for us. We'll uh, we'll be certainly looking forward to try and see if we can get those three points going back up from I-85. They're not bringing us sausage rolls yet, Jess. We need to make that happen.
2: I'm going to say we need catering. Big Ben, if you're out there, British commentator, sausage roll addiction. Let's go.
1: We certainly love all of the interaction we've had from you guys on Crown Quarter so far. It is now time to bring in the mustachioed maven himself, our good friend Matt Hogan, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and uh, really the straw that stirs the drink, if you will. Uh, What's going on, Matt? What do you have for us? Well, I got one question. Uh, Well, I'll save that one for last. So let's go with um, who has surprised you guys the most so far? Go ahead, Jess.
2: For me, Kalina, you know, as a goalkeeper, he doesn't have MLS experience. He's a bit of a relative unknown when it comes to playing in this league. And I think he stood in his head. We weren't sure 100% during preseason who was going to be the starting goalkeeper. He didn't get that many minutes with the team. He's been fantastic. Like I say, a full-package goalkeeper who I'm excited for the future of.
1: I love Guzman Carujo. I really do. And I feel like he's somebody who... Makes a lot of plays that will not end up, you know. I mean, it, it's very hard with this with this sport so offensively minded when it comes to the stats. There aren't enough stats that can tell you what kind of stalwart that Carujo is as part of that back three. And in between him, him, McCoon, and Books, I know we've talked a lot about how that center back position is stacked. And I know that maybe Anton Walks is coming back this week. I don't know where to put him. Honestly, because all three of those guys have been playing real, real great to start. Well, you mentioned Fuchs, and that is part of my next question, and that is, did you expect Bronico and Fuchs to get as much time
5: in these first two matches?
2: Easy answer. No, if I'm honest. And particularly Bronico, I knew that Fuchs had experience. He's a little older. Maybe expect him to play 60, whatever. Brant Bronico has been a star for me. Again, maybe now I think back, he would be one of the ones that surprised me too. But he adds a nitty-gritty, chippy style that is really important to have that physicality in your midfield. And Fuchs has an engine on him. You know, I knew that he was a smart player. I knew he was a good defender. But that engine to get back and forth up the pitch. And, you know, he almost had a penalty on Saturday. Incredible player. Really impressed with how the two of them have played.
1: Fuchs has a very pretty ball too. I mean, he he loves those diagonal aerials to the opposite end. I mean, he he and Jalen Lindsay are just very much in sync when it comes to the guys going down the flank. And and look, I, I do feel like there are a lot of people who might have come into the season thinking that if you were going to rely on Brand Bronico and Christian Fuchs for major minutes this year, that meant that you didn't do a lot when it came to this uh, this team. They're in there on merit and and Miguel and Ramirez said as much uh, in his comments leading into the L.A. Galaxy game. He said, look, you know, Bronico's earned the time. And Bronico has the aptitude when it comes to this game model and what needs to be done on a given play. Uh, Fuchs, you mentioned it, Jess, has the experience. He is a proven winner. He's part of that pedigree of player that they brought in that has titles from elsewhere. And it's not as if guys aren't pushing them for time. It's just they're playing better. Than the guys who are behind them right now. My last question is from Trey Eskridge on Twitter. He, uh, this one's more for for Jess than it is for Will. But, uh, what is it like working with Willie? Are there flying arms and feet from enthusiasm?
2: <laughs> all i'm gonna say is we have a plan to set up a gopro at some point in the broadcasting booth because there aren't the amount of words i can use to explain how exciting it is to be in the booth with willie his passion is unmatched his movement is unmatched i would say he stands you talk about fans standing for full 90 willie stands for the full 90 plus the post game plus the pre-game show and yes matt and i matt sits behind us we both have to be aware of flailing arms and um Maybe a little sweat flying off from the movement as well.
1: <laughs> now you're going to make me blush. <laughs> honestly, I, I will say, and, and this is, is going to turn into the Mutual Admiration Society, but I love how we've been able to connect as a booth through not just two games plus, but but the months that we had planning up here. I mean, you, you guys are amazing. I want to make sure that, that your work is recognized and, and, and we do a lot behind the scenes that, uh, that doesn't get seen or at least prepare for this podcast, prepare for the broadcast, that uh, is all a testament to you guys. But uh, I'm sorry if I ever step on you. I'm sorry if I ever flail my arms. I'm hoping these these will be first if we get a goal this week, right? Because if we yeah. do have one, then, you know, I'll probably be flailing all over the
2: place. we are bring water bottles for water showers away from the equipment if we score a goal. But we're, we're grateful yeah, to be I part of know. this team.
1: I don't know if we want water showers near the comrades, because we (laughs) want to be able to use that for the rest of the time. I know how much that thing costs.
2: Matt's getting anxious.
1: (laughs) Be sure to check out our coverage this week on WFNZ, our flagship station in Charlotte. We're on now 92.7 FM, our first game on the new frequency, 92.7 FM, 6.10 a.m., and also on the WFNZ app, we also invite you, if you're not in Charlotte, check us out across the Charlotte FC radio network. There are stations in both Carolinas. So you can find the one that's easy for you. Uh, we're also in Lynchburg, Virginia. We're in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Myrtle Beach. We've got plenty of options for you. If you do not have an affiliate near you, well, you can contact us. and We'll try to get you guys signed up for that as well. Four o'clock is our pregame show for a 430 first kick in atlanta we hope to bring back three points to you from down on high 85 for producer matt hogan for jess charman i'm will pelagic saying thanks for watching crown corner sports radio fnz and charlotte fc